Hey, welcome to another episode of Roll or Die. We have had this gentleman on previously. He shared the space with his mate, Peter Florinini, but he was, I wouldn't say overshadowed, but we wanted to give him a full... <laughs> Full focus, give him the opportunity to have the limelight all to himself. Yeah. Uh, he is one of my longest friends in jiu-jitsu. We came together from yeah. Peter Devine across to Absolute. He's a black belt. Can I say that you're in your 60s? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Am I allowed to say that? Yep. And uh, <laughs> he is nearly finished a PhD in behavioral science. So we mm. want to explore that side of, uh, of his yeah brain today if we can welcome yeah, yeah, connor yeah. connor Thank you. it's uh, it's hard to um it's hard to, to to be in the shadow of uh, peter florinini he's uh, he's got a great he's got <laughs> a great not... backstory he's um, he's unbelievable if half the things he says are true he's um he's a dangerous man yeah yeah absolutely he's a legend he's a legend but you're right riding shotgun with him is not an easy task either <laughs> a loose cannon that man <laughs> yeah. just as just as well he's, he's nearly 80 Wow. Yeah, that's right. He's, he's like 70s. Yeah. It's so I actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. I realized we've previously, um, a couple of um, previous episodes, we had John Will and Peter Debean, oh, and now him. yourself. So I think our last yeah. three guests have been in their 60s. Yeah. Yeah. Masters, so, masters forever. That's right. Yeah. I think, uh, I think Peter's our Goggins. He's, uh, he's the nearest thing we've got to Goggins in, in the Southern Isn't Hemisphere. Right. Yeah. He's you know David Goggins, Anton? No. Oh. David Goggins. Oh. Goggins. Oh. Tell me, enlighten me. And should we get him on the show? <laughs> I don't know that we could get him on. He's, um, yeah, he's next level. He's he is, he's he an ex-Navy uh, SEAL who, he was a big fat guy who I think kind of gave up on life. And then I don't even know what happened. Do you know, Connor, that made it uh, change him to the switch and he's, He's now like an absolute beast. I mean, he's like a motivational speaker and he's, yeah, yeah. he's written books. He goes around the world like motivating people. Yeah, he's a really interesting dude because he um he had a he had a terrible upbringing. His dad was quite abusive to his mother and and his mother had to kind of run away in the middle of the night and mm. and um he uh, he he suffered badly because of that and he he you know low self esteem and you know he was he was he was kind of lost. And uh, as, as Kimmy says, he got up to about 350 or 400 pounds and then um, decided to, uh, to, to, uh, to take things in hand and sort himself out. And, right. and now he's an absolute beast. He's, he's really good. Inspiration. Well, I guess, I guess that kind of leads into maybe the first question, um, which would be like, for you, um, who, who's kind of, who inspired you into jujitsu in the first place? We always love to find oh, out. Oh, okay. Um, and you know, were, were they a Goggins type person for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was Peter Dean, and he was he was a brown belt at the time. He he just come third, I think, in the Pan Packs in Hawaii. Uh, I was on holiday. I was living in Malaysia at the time, and and I was on holiday down in Torquay. I thought I'll do a bit of surfing. I couldn't. I can't surf, uh, but I you know I like being in the water. Hmm. And uh, we were just walking around the shopping plaza um, in Torquay, and and there was this this little ad for um, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And I'd, I'd seen, I'd seen um, Hicks and Gracie was in the cover of yoga magazine because I was, I was quite into yoga at the time. And um, I thought, oh yeah, there's a, this, this Gracie thing and this blog seems to have something to do with this Gracie. And, and um, so I called them up and, and, um, and joined up. And um, I, I used to travel from Melbourne down to Torquay um, 
a couple of times a week um, just just to train. Um, nearly got myself sacked in the process because I, <laughs> I was running out, trying to sneak out the back door about half past four, you know, and <laughs> trying trying to duck duck and dive under the boss. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I went down there and just never looked. My my first role um, uh, was with Dan Cherubin. Um, I, I yeah, well the guy who went who went on to be Dan Cherubin, he was like a thirteen year old at the time, and he was about fifty five kilos. And mm. and 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 Pete said to me, oh, I said just just have a roll with this guy. I said, oh, come on, Pete, I'm, that's not fair. I'll, I'll, I'll kill him. <laughs> he said, no, no, no. I think I think he'd be all right. And I said, really? I said. So I, I, I thought to myself, I'll just go easy on him because you know, like I was I was in my late thirties, um, I think late thirties, late thirties, yeah. And he, he must have been 13 years old or something. And he was, he was like 45 kilos or 50 kilos. And uh, like 10 seconds later, he was on my back. And I was bloody well, get this. I couldn't get this. <laughs> and then he choked me out. And I went, that's it. Right, that's it. I got no, no more, no, no more Mr. Nice Guy. And then um, I, I went at him and like, he, he choked me out even quicker. Um, <laughs> and he was a skinny little like, as I say, 45 kilo gone. and I went, okay, mm. this, this is it. I've, I've, I've got to know how to do this because this, this young teenager has just humiliated me. And then I went in just one more, one more time. Uh, and I really gave it everything I could. And um, I think he was playing, he played at me for about five minutes and I was completely exhausted at the end of it. Mm. Like I got, I got, I, I did about 10 minutes rolling and I was, I was absolutely buggered for a couple of days. Wow. <laughs> and, yeah. I, and, I, and that was it. I thought, that's it. I found what I found it. This is what I need. Yeah, really. Well, that's a pretty famous uh, name there that uh, you had at least for your first role. A lot yeah, of people give the story about you know some small kid beating yeah. them up or a small female or whatever. So I suppose you've got the the accolade at least of it being someone that was very very highly esteemed. Mm. Yeah. Well, even even those days going down to um, going down to Torquay, um, it was a bit like sitting on a on a lineup for 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 a wave. It was a very chill atmosphere. There was maybe a dozen guys on the mats, and they were just they would have a bit of a yarn, and then there was no formal start or end. And and then uh, Cherubin would just go, "Oh, here's some stuff I've been working on," and people would just kind of huddle around it, and we just noodle stuff out. And I just I loved the whole um, unstructured nature of it, and, and mm-hmm. just the just and the fact that it was small and kind of quirky and interesting. I thought great because uh, nobody knew what Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu was. It's, it's I used to say, if they said, do you do a sport? And I'd go, oh, yeah, yeah, I do. And they'd go, what do you do? And I'd say, I used to say judo. And they go, okay, fine. <laughs> once, or twice, I, once or twice, I said Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And they'd go, what? It's like, you know, what's, what's that? Do you have to get shaved up for that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that would have been in the nineties, yeah. So you've been around a long time. Yeah, 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 Still, still suck at it. Still, still. Um, I wouldn't say that as a black belt. I wouldn't say. Oh yeah, uh, no. As, as I as I said as I said when I got my black belt, um, I think what Lucky did in in one fell swoop was manage to raise the level of brown belts and, and lower the level of black belts. <laughs> I love your attitude, man. I think I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to follow in your footsteps, Connor. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. Oh, because yeah. because yeah. if you look at the you look at the lineup of black belts before me, you know, you had Kit, you've got Lucky, you've got Ben Hodge. Uh, I'm probably going to insult people by forgetting forgetting who they are. Um, you know, Craig. I mean, you know, yeah. I'm yeah. not. I'm. I'm. 
I'm, I shouldn't be in the same line as them. Just I shouldn't be. Um, but you know, it is what it is. So, so um, of course you I, should. I mean, Anton has had this conversation with me, and I, um, you may have heard of it too. That there's that theory about like with every belt. No, no, well, yeah, there's that. There's that. But the the belt being like with the age. So when you're, well, how yeah, does that work, yeah, yeah. Anton? What, what so is that for every belt? It's so ten so years, or let's say, well, you're a black belt, right? So. Yeah. For every 10 years gap between you and someone else, like if they're 10 years older, that's the equivalent yeah. of you being a whole belt higher. If they're 10 yeah, years yeah. younger, then not many people are 10 years older on the mats, though. Than no, 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 no. That's true. For everyone remember, 10 years younger, yeah. So if, let's say that if you're rolling with someone 10 years younger, then a brown belt is equivalent to a black belt for you, according yeah. to the couple of the Gracies I saw on a YouTube clip. Yeah, um, Hannah and Huron talked about the Boyd belt system because they're, they're yes. a black belt called, called Boyd. And, um, that was those two. Yeah, until yeah. The Boyd belt system. <laughs> Thank you, brother. That's right. Yeah, and I thought that's for me. I'm having that. that yeah. that'll, that'll go. Yeah. Um, and and that, was, that was one of the reasons I went to the Worlds because um, when I was training in Pete's or, or competing, uh, I, I was forever losing or maybe getting second or something, second in, a, in like a three-man three -man competition. Mm. Um, um, and um, people would go, oh, yeah, mate, you did well. You know, they're 20 years younger than you or the 10 kilos heavier. And I was just – because, you know, in, in, in the Vicks, uh, like I, I would often end up fighting adult. Um, mm. And um, – and, but I was sick of hearing, and I was going, I'm, I'm tired of this bullshit. People are just being too polite. Yeah. I, I, really, I really stuck at this thing, so I, I thought, I know what I'll do. Um, uh, I'll go to the world, and I'll, I'll at least I'll be able to compete with people my age, mm. uh, my weight, my belt, and I'll, I'll figure out whether I am any good at this or not, or whether people are just blowing smoke up my ass. And, mm. um, and it turned out I did okay. I had a bit of luck on the day. Um, so um, better than okay you won yeah I did. <laughs> you, 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 the, you became a world champion so don't, yeah but it don't is, need to be so humble it is masters though and and to put that in context i came back with, with with my gold medal in my bag and had my ass handed to me by a blue belt you know yeah. so, <laughs> um do you remember ryan ford at, at, yes um, I, yeah I, Little, little Ryan, yeah. A little, like, 60-kilo bloody, uh, you know, Tasmanian devil type guy, just completely mm. demolish it. And um, he was going, oh, yeah, good, congrats, mate. You know, you did really well. Can we have a roll? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, no problem. And he just, <laughs> he just smashed it. Did it. <laughs> but he was also 25 and training multiple times yeah, yeah, a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... yeah he's, training, he's training 20 times a week or something. Yeah. There's so many, there's so many paths that we could go down with this, right? But I guess yeah. hearing that you've been studying behavioral science, is that right? Yeah. That we, yeah. So, yes, that's right. Yeah. So, what are you discovering through that that can either benefit BJJ or benefit people in our position? Like I grew up, okay, Cooper, just quickly example, Cooper Burnham was a ten year old who I used to play with like a mouse and like <laughs> love this kid yeah. through his through his jujitsu journey. And just like be really gentle with him. And then now he's only like 20 or something and destroys yeah. me every time we roll. So I've had this kind of this person coming up underneath me and then destroying yeah, yeah, yeah. me. And like, like, it's fair enough. Like I have no problem with it. But there's two angles where this behavioral science could be relevant. One of them is just in general. And the other one is as people around you are kind of going faster than you or, you know, or like, like, what are you discovering? Yeah. Well, one of the things that I discovered, um, was when I when I went back to compete because I'd set a target of going to the worlds. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought, well, I better, there's no point of me just rocking up to the world and not having competed in like five years because I hadn't, I, you know, life, family, kids, jobs. I just kind of, uh, jujitsu had been a, uh, you know, a really important hobby, but just a hobby. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought I need, I need to dial it up a bit and do some, some, some competing. And um, I, uh, on my first, I remember my first return to the mats in the cup mats in the VIX uh, after about five years, I was hyperventilating on, on the side of the mat. I literally was, I could, I could barely see the guy in front of me. I was that stressed. Um, and uh, it was like, it was over in about 30 seconds. Cause, cause like, um, I just, I just hadn't a clue what was going on. Yeah. Um, so for the first time in, in like previously, I hadn't had much performance anxiety other than just, you know, just the usual nerves. It's a different event, but, but I was fine, but something had happened in the kind of, intervening period you know other things became more important or you know uh, the gap between me and the comp- other competitors was was bigger that, that i just had serious performance anxiety yeah um so i i i so two things two things uh worked for me one was um uh this is something that i, I feel i need to, uh, to to overcome so 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 overcoming performance anxiety became a thing in itself as opposed mm. to something i needed to um to, to, to brush to one side it became a a, a real objective I, I need to this is something important just dealing with that on its own regardless of how i went at a competition was something that that, that i wanted to, to i wanted to to achieve so what i wanted to do you know when i stood on the mats at worlds was to feel um uh, that I'd had, a, I'd had everything in place. I trained as hard as I could be. My mindset was right. My nutrition was right. And, and I was more or less injury free. I, I, I did everything except be injury free because, you know, I'd, I'd overtrained. Um, but other than that, I, I, I felt really good. It was, it was the Walter pyramid. Um, and I, and the feeling I had on the day was like, I'm, I'm on the same mats as like Hafel Mendes. And I thought, Oh my God, I mean, I mean, I'm on that stage. It felt it felt really just just awesome, just That's like to amazing. be on the stage, where which was different to 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 me being in the VIX, where I felt absolutely shitty. I was like, like everybody was looking at me. I'm gonna fuck up. Um, mm-hmm. So I had a completely different I had a completely different um, mindset going in. Um, and to to cut to the to cut to the chase, um, one of the and there's more psychology than than behavioral science. So and and. Uh, disclaimer i'm not a psychologist i'm not providing advice i'm not providing this is just for entertainment only this is a personal opinion mm-hmm. um so one of the, the well-known um approaches to um uh, to, to to dealing with with issues like this is is exposure therapy which is basically you got to expose yourself to it more and more and more um and that's that that's what i did like i, I used to compete in every bloody round robin i could get my hands on yeah and and the whole point that the purpose of, of the competition was to um, was just to get exposure to um, uh, to having a crowd around me to you know to having somebody else going flat stick um, just just to get into the get into the groove um, mm-hmm. and I competed like even even back then which is probably seven years ago there's a competition every every nearly every weekend so you just I just rock up if there was no masters no worries I wasn't there to collect a medal I was there to just yeah yeah just 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 a just a callous well goggins would say he'd call it callousing the mind but you just you're just building up an extra layer of, of skin over over that where you just you don't feel it's not it's it's you're not as sensitive now you, you had a couple of other guys on on them 
So I think you John Tang on, who, who I know of. Uh, he's he's in Melbourne. He talked about some of the stuff around around um, which is a version of exposure therapy. And I think he'd Chris Shen also talking about some techniques. But basically, the um, uh, one of the issues uh, it, it um, what what you're trying to do is deal with what's called neuroticism. I, no, I said uh, neuroticism, Anton, not not eroticism. His <laughs> <laughs> eyes lit up. <laughs> That's all we hear that you just want to rock up to events to expose yourself. And now you're talking about Okay, now it's eroticism. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You heard it here first, folks. Give you a seat, Potter. Yeah. In so, um, uh, so, to, so to answer your question after a kind of long wind-up, I mean, the, the, um, um, everybody suffers from, to, to an extent, performance anxiety, but some people suffer more than others. Yeah. Uh, so everybody's different. So, so your two previous... Um, contributors had general advice that would apply to everybody. Uh, the, the thing I want to talk about today is primarily that what makes some people different to others? And, mm. and why, are some people, why are some people more susceptible, susceptible to, um, to performance anxiety than others? Yeah. I mean, yeah, the, 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 the solution is, is, um, is pretty well worn, which is, which is um, exposure therapy. That, that's a really good thing. And then um, I think Chris had talked about some exercises which effectively bring you get you to concentrate on what's happening in your body as opposed to what's out there. Um, nice. But to talk about, so everybody's personality differs and, and, and you can get a handle on it by, by understanding your personality. And, and there's lots of free, lots of free um, uh, resources out there to, to, that, that you can use. So the, the gold standard for personality is, um, assessment is, is, it, is it called the five-factor model, which is known by the acronym OCEAN. Open O-C-E-A-N, openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. Um, yeah. So everybody differs on those five dimensions. So openness is comprised of things like uh, you like new ideas, uh, creativity, um, you like to abstract, to be theoretical. Um, and so, for instance, if you look at, uh, at absolutes and killed it, a lot of, a lot of open people um, who are just nerds if you like looking mm -hmm. to for the latest little, te latest the latest little thing concepts or... and experiment and yeah I yeah it. yeah and there's also there's also an appreciation of beauty and and um, and, and form mm. as opposed to say just the kind of pohada approach to life <laughs> so, yeah. so so that's a but i and having come from um the beans where there's plenty of pohada um it, you know it's it, that was a that was a really nice a really nice a really nice change yeah. and nothing wrong with pohada at all um but but it's, it's in as you get older it's, it's nice to it's nice to be beaten yeah. beaten precisely rather than smashed into smithereens <laughs> mm. Mm. Um, so that's openness uh, conscientiousness is um so so kim would be the gold standard for conscientiousness i reckon um so that's 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 comprised of you're just working hard and also being organized and, and diligent and everything everything sorted out. But but um, one of the one of the killer the killer um, traits to have is conscientiousness. Like if if you work hard, you'll you'll eventually you'll eventually get there on pretty much anything you set you set your mind to, pretty much. So conscientiousness is is a is a big mark for success in almost in, in most aspects of life. Yeah. Um, Extroversion, which is which is probably more your bag, Anton, which is you know <laughs> yeah. gregarious and being friendly and being open. That's, you know, I'm that's... the opposite to all of those things. Yeah, I'm, 
Yep. And there's another type of C word that describes me. So, yeah. <laughs> Um, so, so extroversion is a scale, right? At one end, you get you know severe introvert, and the opposite end, you got extroverts. So, um, and I can tie this to, to, to combat sports. Um, extroversion and introversion doesn't seem to have much impact in terms of you know top players. Uh, that doesn't seem to be associated with. I mean, in in in, um, in St Kilda, um, there's plenty of introverts. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it's uh, one of the. There is an interesting part of extroversion, which is which is about liking to be in charge, um, and that, that's that could certainly translate to uh, to some jujitsu. Yeah. Um, extroversion, um, agreeableness, which is the A. Um, uh, look, that's you know being compassionate. Um, uh, Kimmy's a very agreeable person. You know, she, she's always reaching out, saying how things, how's it going, how's the COVID. You know, but that's you know that that's that, that's a that's a super um, uh, a tra trait to have. Doesn't doesn't translate to much on the mats, but you know, outside of mat, outside of the mats, it's 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 an awesome feature to have. And then it can it can be a little bit negative sometimes too, though. Yeah, it can be too agreeable, become a bit of a walkover, or no. Uh, yeah, you can. So I'll, I I I can I can talk about a different model. So so just to put it in context, so personality doesn't explain everything about how you behave. It's only about a third of your behavior. Mm -hmm. So we all behave differently in different situations. Um, so behave differently at home to how we behave in the locker room to how we behave in the pub. Um, mm -hmm. So what's called the situation or context changes things. So you can be you can be agreeable um, in the office and, you know, and disagreeable at home because uh, you tell the kids to just. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, your underlying personality is the same, but you but you can act differently. So that, that, yeah, different hats. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. then there's neuroticism, which is susceptibility to negative emotion. Guys, bear with me one second. Ben, come here. Welcome here to go. our podcast. This is Ben. He's from France. He's a brown belt, three stripes. Where are you from? Ah, Hello. Bonjour, ça va? Paris. Paris, France. There you go. This is Connor and this oh, Kim. Kim's God. a black belt. Connor's a black belt. Nice to meet you guys. <laughs> We're going to roll. Nice to meet you too. Yeah. Oh, very jealous. I've won a uh, there we go. Wow. I'm yeah. Thailand. Who cares? Do continue. Yeah. So, gregariousness is uh, is is part of extroversion. So that's that's what that was. <laughs> there we go. Yes. So if you look at if you look at the studies on 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 who does well in in um, in sports, uh, the the two the two big traits that that um, people talk about are being low in neuroticism, which is low in, in negative emotion and high in conscientiousness. Mm -hmm. So if, if you're not prepared to grind it out, which is conscientiousness, you're not going to get there. Um, and if you're, um, if you're high in neuroticism, it's going to be very difficult, not impossible, but, but very difficult. Any um, tips or tricks to lower yeah. that level of neuroticism? Yeah. So, so ultimately, um, so you so, so, so brains are plastic. You, you can, but, but brains are a bit, think about it as, as um, it being dealt a deck of cards when you're born. And then as you, as you go through several rounds, you can, you get different cards. So you, you can eventually uh, change things, but you don't start as a blank slate. Um, you'll know from your kids, Kimmy, that even with the same environment, you've got kids who behave totally differently. Mm. Um, so um, you can, uh, not so much change your personality, but kind of broaden broaden some of the responses that you might be capable of. 
So neuroticism is is the way neuroticism works is it is it you compare what you expect to happen with what's actually happening and you're looking at the difference between the two and you say am I happy with that difference? So 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 if you take if you if you take a personal example back to the VIX I hadn't I hadn't been on the mat in, in competition mat in five years, and in 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 a situation you get bombarded with thousands of, of what's called behavioral cues all this noise all the lights all the information. The bloody um, the referee that your mates on the side shouting for you it's just like oh um, and and it's it's really really difficult to process all of that in in real time it's very very difficult um, be, because what you need to do is to it so to, to turn down that neuroticism is is basically to 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 be able to ignore all of that and there's no there are some some mental tricks and techniques that, that Chris talked about and, and John talked about, but basically you want to expose yourself to a lot of it so that it just becomes in the background mm. and it doesn't even become in the foreground. And mm. um, just a little bit more theory. Basically there's two, two ways in which we think one is fast and easy. Um, another way is, is slow and deliberate. And, and the slow and deliberate is if you're looking at a spreadsheet, you're trying to figure out, the tax rates or, or how, how much how come your wages aren't quite right this month or something that's that's slow and deliberate mm. um the fast one is is if you're in a car um you know you, you, you maneuver indicate that they are different processes and most of the time what you what you want you want the, the the slow part to be pretty much in idle because you haven't got that much personally speaking as well you haven't got that much bandwidth to do the to do the slow deliberate stuff so if in a competition situation all that stuff is got, trying to be processed by um, the slow part of your brain, which wants to figure it all out and put it. In, it's just not going to work. So um, it's it's just it's just like trying to drink from a fire hose. There's just too much information coming through that you're trying to figure out. Mm. Uh, so what you want to do is try to push a lot of the stuff into the into the fast, the almost subconscious habit uh, part of your of your information processing. Mm. And, and that's that's why things like um, exposure therapy work because you just go, you, you just, they just don't become big issues anymore. Yeah, I, I also read an article not that long ago. I can't remember where, or maybe it was in a book, but I was talking about how human beings were de were designed to pick up sounds or like like triggers of danger like so quickly and respond. Like you can be in the you can be camping and it can be all sorts of normal noises like birds squawking or whatever. But if you hear a like a crunching in the bushes, your attention's yeah. fully over there with that. And I think it's like the same kind of situation. It's like part of that exposure therapy stuff you're talking about. Like if like this is all so overwhelming and daunting, it's like a danger sign. But if you can get yeah. into those sounds, then all of a sudden you can just be present to the sounds which and and things which are a real threat, which is probably just your opponent on the mats and nothing yeah, else. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> well, it, the um, so I'll, to add to, to add to both of those, so um, like our subconscious has been developed over millions of years, and 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 people think of gut reaction as being as being poor or bad. I, mean, I think that's 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 a bit unfair. I mean, mm. your subconscious handles so many things, you know. It, it keeps your heart going, keeps your breathing going, keeps you looking in that direction. It 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 ignores some sounds and picks up another. It, it's 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 a lot of that stuff, and it's that's very very difficult to stop because it's it's built up over like hundreds and thousands of years. Um, and the the what you, what you want to have to what you want to be able to do in a competition situation is to have a lot of what's happening handled by uh, almost by your subconscious. Mm. Um, that's because there's a filter around. So what do I need to 
pay attention to and what do I ignore? See, you want to be able to pick out of all the signals coming in, which bits to ignore and to have that happen in real time for you as a, as a skill. So um, competition, um, competition sh I think should also include the, the mental aspect, which is, which is being able to ignore a lot of those external stimuli. And, and as I think as, as Andreas Bronowski was saying, just, just make another day in the office. Um, yeah. You just go, yeah, don't need to worry about all those 95 things. Here's the five things I need to worry about. Oh, another thing too, um, so, so um, to answer your question specifically, yeah, Kimmy, so, so one of the things that helped me was having, having a game plan for the first, for the first like move or two. Um, and just to focus on technique, because if you focus on technique, you're not even worried about the guy. He's just a, he's just a suit. Mm. So if, if your game plan is, I'm going to play top game. Um, so therefore I want to do a takedown. Is it going to be a double leg or a single leg? You, you know, you've, you've got, and you can visualize that as a, as your opening move. I mean, once it goes beyond the opening move, it's way too complicated. You can't predict it, but you can, you can, you can mentally rehearse and you can physically rehearse um, the opening move. Yeah. Um, so, so, so for instance, I, I, I like to play guard. So I would, um, I would rehearse um, guard pulling. Um, so in your training, um, uh, just just drill your 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 opening move and also visualize it as well. Yeah. So so because so, because then when you're in the role, the the, the anxiety will disappear. Mm. I actually wanted to ask a question about um, anxiety, just changing tax a little bit. And you made the disclaimer about not being a not being a qualified psychologist, but would you have any advice for people? Uh, with COVID and returning to the mats, it seems like there's quite a lot of anxiety around jiu-jitsu. People returning, some people are not returning, they're feeling anxious. Obviously, there's a, a you know, pandemic going on at the moment, but it, you know, what would you say to that with people who've maybe been off the mats for six months, haven't, mm -hmm. haven't trained much? Any advice? Yeah, so, so I, I, I certainly don't want to give any advice to people to, to, to turn up to the mats and then, then they tell me if they've got COVID because of what I've said. <laughs> so, <laughs> you should be a politician, Connor. Come on. <laughs> well, you do have an audience. Um, so, so, you know. I like to think we do. On the odd thought that, that somebody's listening. Um, we have stickers <laughs> now, too. We'll have to, I'll have to get you. Wow. Whisker, Connor. We have oh, merchandise yeah. as well Absolutely. for our merch. guests. Yeah. You got merch. T-shirts <laughs> 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 right. so, to come. Yeah. So, so I think, um, I think it's um, as as we get used to living with COVID, people will will be a bit more relaxed because one of the one of the things that that, that COVID has done is is um, bring back into that slow thinking part of our brain all stuff that we used to ignore. Yeah, uh, we just, we just assumed that you could get up in the morning and go out and have a coffee. That that was just like, what do you mean I can't do that? Mm. And be, when, when that happened, what do you mean there aren't enough toilet? Uh, you know, there's enough toilet paper on the shelves. Uh, how does that work? So the problem is you get um, uh, anxiety. I, I think is a, is another word for complexity. Mm. All of a sudden, stuff life that was maybe not pleasant, but at least fairly simple and predictable, becomes unpredictable. It's way more complicated. Mm. Uh, so for people who are feeling anxious, it's it's it, it'll be about complexity, and and when they feel that the complexity is at the point where they can deal with it again, then they'll probably return to the mat. 
I would, I would, um, I, I, leading on from, so it sounds like exposure therapy again, basically like exposing yourself back to a new way of being until it blends into the background and then you can focus on what it is that you are, you know. Yeah, you- it's a, it's a, it, it's a, well, I, I don't mean so, so much exposure therapy. So for instance, say, say you have kids who are going to school um, and you've been homeschooling for a while because of COVID. Um, when, when the kids can start going to school and when the, the you know, the coffee shops start serving, you can sit down in the coffee shop. I mean, just, other cues as, as opposed to um, exposure therapy. If you can say, okay, oh, I can now forget about schooling for kids. That's a part of my brain. I don't need to worry about. Okay. Oh, when I can now forget about, hey? When the bandwidth gets freed up. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. When all that stuff that you have to think about and worry about and figure out goes away and you can ignore, I think people will have, will, will have a more capacity to go, maybe I should go back and have a role. Yeah. Um, that's good one of the things which i noticed about myself competing is or just anything public speaking you name it right sometimes i can just i'm like overconfident and i'm zero nerves and i'm just ready for action and then and then there can be seemingly nothing different i can show up in an identical environment and be back to that how you describe your nerves when you competed at the vix and you couldn't it was over in 30 seconds because you were a mess I can be yeah. that, you know, I'm very capable of being that in almost every setting. <laughs> so <laughs> my question is, do you have, or have you studied, or do you have any theories on why things can, it sounds like a context kind of related question again, but why things can be fine and then all of a sudden they're not fine. And what do we do in those situations? Yeah. Well, what you're talking about there is, is, is volatility, which is a, which is a, a, a feature of uh, one of the, an aspect of neuroticism. Um, okay. So it's it that that's that's part of your makeup, and I think it's, it's worth accepting that's that that's that's the way it is, mm-hmm. um, and and it, uh, to deal with that, um, one of the things you could think about again is is um, is not necessarily um, I, I could imagine you being able to um, to wing it pretty well in, in in a lot of situations, but some situations where where that would that would that would fall away from you. So yeah. again, you might you might want to rehearse the first couple of um, the first thirty seconds or a minute of of your opening your opening pitch or whatever it is, and then have some dot points um, sitting in a card in your pocket so that you go okay. Um, so, so the first yeah, the first part becomes becomes completely automatic. Mm. Uh, and, 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 and we know when like like if you do it in the in the odd occasion where you where you you, you hit your favorite technique it's completely automatic and it's yeah. just the most amazing thing. And you go, oh, shit, that, that just worked. How did I end up here? Yeah, I've been playing a lot of chess lately. And what I have noticed, and it speaks to what you're saying is like, I've really studied one opening for offense and one opening for defense or maybe a secondary, but I'm really, I, I, all my chess matches start exactly the same way. And my performance is really improving because of yeah. that. You know, like I've got a, a defensive plan, an offensive plan. I stick to it no matter what. Sometimes I don't win, but I stick yeah, to it, yeah. you know, so... Yeah. Yeah, chess is really interesting because because they found that the grandmasters um, aren't necessarily. I mean, they're all ridiculously bright people, but but what what they what's what works for them is is pattern recognition, which is which is they, they see the way somebody's playing and they and, and they know how that's going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, and that works that, that works well in jiu-jitsu. And jiu-jitsu is far more complex, I, I think, than 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 chess because you know there's there's only so many squares in chess um <laughs> true sure so jiu-jitsu like a couple of mil either way and jiu-jitsu is a completely different move um true. so, so mm. i i think um um 
more experience gives you more pattern recognition and, um, and, and that allows you to, to be able to ignore um, a lot of the information that's coming in. But, but again, it, it, like if you're presenting at a specific event, um, uh, so, so things to help you um, ignore a lot of stuff. If you get there early and, and, and have, a look at the, have a look at the room, you can get accustomed to, uh, to the noises and the sounds and the feel of the room. Um, if, if you get to, to, to get as much information as you can from the, the person hosting it, so you know who's in the audience, get, get a handle on the questions, you can, you can do some, there are some copy me mechanisms, uh, that there's some positive copy mechanisms you can use, and planning like, like that is, is, is one of them. Mm, brilliant, thank you. We're nearly out of time. I don't know if um, we want to do another link, or I feel like there's still so much more that we could ask Connor, or we have him on another time. We've getting him really back. I think that's good. I like, the surface, I like, haven't we? Yeah, I like the idea of him coming back every couple of months and sharing. <laughs> I think. Repeat guest, repeat guest, because repeat we guess. haven't even discussed. Um, Anton, someone that you will know that um, Connor is uh, very familiar with is Wim Hof. He went. Oh to yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you went. You did you go to one of his uh, workshops? Yeah, yeah, I went yeah. to one of his workshops. And, and during the during the lockdown, I've been doing um, yeah, sea swims. And, and mind you, um, during the winter, it was in in a wetsuit. Um, but yeah, I'm on the I'm on the back of the cold showers, which is not saying much because the water's only like twenty degrees. It's it's like yeah. it's, not, it's not cold at the moment. But um, yeah, I'm a big big fan of Wim Hof. Yeah, well, I yeah. think we should do another episode on breathing because I got a lot of stuff about breathing as well. Like we've got a whole show to talk, and Kim's, Kim's a, you know, I've got a lot of background in that, so I reckon we do another show on breathing at some point in yeah, the. Yeah, well, Connor was the one who introduced like me to Wim Hof. I think he oh. started talking about him, and yeah, that's yeah. when I I discovered and started the cold showers and all of that myself. So, yeah, myself, yeah. I, I met Ivan Rakitic. Remember Ive? Yeah, mm. I was one of Pete's. I think he was Pete's first black belt. Yeah, um, I think he's seminar and we were in the, the ice bath and all that kind of stuff so yeah it's it, wow. in fact i did i did one of his holotropic breathing um sessions that that wim hof did for for 45 minutes honestly i was off my head yeah I, wow I was, yeah i've heard mixed reports about that but i i'm, I'm not surprised yeah i've had, I've had oh, yeah i was i was i was in planet zanussi i, I, I was oh, somewhere else for people like me yeah, who yeah. have a completely clean life it's so good to know you can get off your face without drugs or alcohol <laughs> Let's do it again soon, guys. Let's do it again soon. Yes. Awesome. Thank you so much, Connor. Oh, and yes. hopefully we'll see you on the mat. Anton, Absolutely. enjoy Thailand. Yeah, yeah. have a great time, Anton. How yeah. nice is that with Connor? Oh. <laughs> Amazing. Bastard. Jealous. All right. All right. <laughs> see you guys. Take yeah. care. Bye. Bye.